coming up. The shape of it was in the size of a human body. That's what investigators were able to zero in on after they realized that there was blood on the back of that tow truck. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. loved ones say they just can't explain it. It's been three days since anyone saw 50-year-old Harvey Huber at his auto shop in Georgetown. On February 25th, 2020, a business owner in Georgetown, Texas, named Harvey Huber, went missing. Huber Auto Repair was packed on Friday, but for all the wrong reasons. They're not customers, they're family and friends looking for Harvey Huber. We're doing what we can, which is hold each other. Huber's body was never found, but his killer was. He was my friend and everything, and I killed him. Bryce Newberry is joining me from KVU in Austin, Texas. Bryce, you've been digging into a murder case that, as you mentioned in your reporting, sent chills through a community in Williamson County, Texas. Before we get into all the details of the case... What can you tell us about the victim, a local business owner named Harvey Huber? By all accounts, Harvey Huber was someone who everyone in that small community knew. He's there when you're happy, when you're sad. He's there. He's that friend that you don't have to call, but he's, he's there. I mean, he ran this auto repair shop for about 10 years before he was murdered. And... You know, his family described him as someone who helped everyone. If someone's car was broken down and perhaps they didn't have money to pay at the time, that was something that he was okay with. He would still fix their car to get them back on the road. A good-hearted person. Uh, I've never seen Harvey in a fight. I've never seen him angry. He was friends with everybody. He was someone who uh, lived in a smaller town outside of Georgetown called Bartlett. But still, he ran that auto shop for a decade, and people there really knew who he was. When he went missing, it was something that people in the community were aware of and very concerned and curious about throughout the search for him. He wouldn't leave his family or anybody. He wouldn't do that to us. And it's back in February of 2020 that Huber did go missing. Where and when was he last seen? So he was last seen at his body shop the night before he was reported missing. Around 9.30 that night is the last time that he was seen or that someone heard from him. It wasn't until the next day, uh, later in the afternoon, when his wife actually contacted the police to report him missing. Harvey was known to sometimes walk home from the body shop at night. And that night, they assumed that might have been what he was doing or perhaps that something happened to him on the way home. But uh, by the next afternoon, when they still hadn't heard from or seen him, that's when he was reported missing to police. Looking back through some of KVU's reporting from 2020, it really does seem like this is a case that struck a chord with a lot of folks in the community and that a lot of different people who knew Huber wanted to try to help find him. What did the search efforts look like in the days after Huber's disappearance? Well, very quickly after he disappeared, there were a lot of volunteers. Search parties were put together. Texas EquiSearch came in and they really organized to get people out and searching. After Huber went missing, the family called EquiSearch to help find him. He was last seen Tuesday night at his auto repair shop. They don't know a whole lot. 
and we don't have a lot to work on. Friday, teams searched the immediate area, mapping their plan for the weekend. And we look for wooded areas, we look for bridges, uh, you know, anywhere that he could have went into or under or whatever. Some of his family walked from Georgetown to Bartlett where he lived, you know, on the road that he would have normally taken, just checking to see, again, if something did happen to him, uh, maybe possibly on a walk home. So the search efforts were pretty big. We saw several different agencies get involved as well. The sheriff's office up there, as well as the attorney general's office and the Texas Rangers. So all of them were involved in those days after Harvey disappeared. But really, the volunteers came out of everywhere. And a lot of restaurants in town were even, you know, donating meals for the volunteer searchers. We've since learned that as all of these search efforts are underway, investigators are starting to zero in on a suspect. Tell us about that effort. So throughout the course of this investigation, you know, there were several people who were with Huber the night that he disappeared. Uh, There was allegedly some sort of argument that happened at the body shop over religion. And, And so the people who were at the body shop that night with him and who were part of that discussion, you know, were some of the key people who investigators were talking to trying to piece together what had happened. One of those people was Jimmy Chorner, and Jimmy is someone who was a convicted felon. He spent time in prison in Kansas for previous crimes. He was in the Georgetown area and, and you know, part as part of him, you know, re-entering society, he was working for a local tow truck company, and, and that tow truck company you know, towed some of the cars that needed repair to and from Harvey's shop. So Jimmy was really the one who did that. And of course, throughout that process, he became friends with Harvey. Uh, In fact, sometimes Harvey would let him stay in the RV that was parked there at the body shop. So throughout you know, the conversations that investigators were having with the various people who were involved that night, Jimmy was one of them. He was interviewed several times by investigators. And um, according to the lead detective in the case, they really kept a pretty uh, cordial and open conversation going on. You know, that was one thing that uh, the detective told us is that he really tried to keep open lines of communication with Jimmy throughout their investigation. But when, you know, when he was interviewing Jimmy, he told us that he could just tell something might have been a little off. There were certain things that Jimmy didn't remember. So to him, it seemed like Jimmy was hiding something. At some point in all of this, detectives would also learn that Jimmy Chorner had another connection to Harvey Huber outside of their friendship, right? That's right. Investigators allege in court documents that Melissa Huber, who was Harvey's wife, was having an affair with Jimmy. And and according to those documents, they were involved in that ongoing sexual relationship for up to about a year before Harvey was murdered. There's an audio recording that KV was able to track down of a conversation between Chorner and his boss recorded in the days after Huber's disappearance. Can you walk through what Chorner was saying to his boss on that recording? So two days after investigators started looking into this, when Harvey was first reported missing, Huber went to his boss at the towing company and he really 
from the recording, it's about a 12-minute recording. When you listen to it, it does sound like Jimmy is a little distraught and possibly crying at different points throughout that conversation. But from the sounds of it, Jimmy was preparing to start a new life. He spoke about leaving town remaining in the United States, but leaving Georgetown. He also talked about getting rid of his social security card, transitioning to a flip phone that he may use to call his boss every so often for maybe five minutes at a time, but really no more than that. He spoke about starting a new life. He also talked about how, you know, he really loved Melissa and that, you know, he would have done anything for her, And he went on and on in that recording, just not officially saying that he killed Harvey Huber, but everything that he was saying made it seem like something horrible had happened and he had to get out of town. And this audio conversation sends investigators out to the tow truck company where Chorner worked, and they search the truck that he would have been driving on the night of Huber's disappearance. What all do they find when they conduct that search? So once they were there and able to actually look at the truck that he, uh, that Jimmy was driving, they were able to see some spots. And the spots, you know, for the untrained eye, could have maybe just looked like some sort of car fluid. And when they started looking, the owner of the tow company indicated to them that's not car fluid. They immediately were able to start testing what the fluid was, and it was blood. Another significant piece of evidence that KVU has been able to track down is surveillance video showing Chorner's truck leaving Huber Auto Repair, Harvey Huber's business, on the night of his disappearance. Can you walk through what you're able to see in that footage? Well, the tow truck surveillance video was a key piece of evidence here because obviously there are cameras everywhere now and they were able to track that tow truck going through town on several different cameras. The main video that we've seen shows that tow truck going pretty quickly, honestly, through what looks like a pretty residential street. And at the back of the tow truck, you can see a tarp that's kind of flapping in the wind. The tarp was missing from the auto repair shop. Uh, That's where it came from. But the tarp ended up on the back of the tow truck. And the shape of it was in the size of a human body. That's what investigators were able to zero in on after they realized that there was blood on the back of that tow truck. So investigators have that blood evidence from the tow truck. They have the security camera footage. Where does the investigation go from there? Well, this is where things got a little bit tricky for the Georgetown Police Department. This is a community where they had not investigated a single murder in at least the two years before this happened. It had been a while. And for the lead detective, this was the very first homicide investigation that he led. So... 
they were a bit limited when it came to their their resources and their capabilities to really move quickly in this investigation. That's why the Texas Rangers came in. That's why the attorney general's office came in, because they had the capability to really process some forensic data as quickly as possible. And that's what they had to do. They went through cell phone data and analyzed so many data points from Jimmy as well as Melissa, trying to figure out where both of them were the night of this murder. So they were able to track Jimmy's cell phone data and combine that with some of the video surveillance that they were able to see. And that's what led them to a drainage tunnel. It's hard to explain, but it's just a tunnel off the side of the freeway that uh, is that was pretty big. That's what led them there. And what do they find when they when they get to that location? They honestly didn't find a lot. They were able to piece things together there, and there was very clearly some blood. Uh, They found the blood throughout some parts of the culvert, and then they also found a bit of a blood trail leading up the embankment to where the tow truck would have stopped. While they were there, they also came across what they believed to be a human bone fragment. So, of course, that took some additional investigating and DNA analysis. Ultimately, what they were able to determine is that that bone fragment was actually a piece of Harvey Huber's skull. So we have investigators building up all of this different evidence, pointing to to something bad having happened and pointing to Jorner is being involved. At what point do investigators actually make an arrest? It took several days before they took Chorner into custody. They interviewed him several times. Uh, and by the time by the last time that they interviewed him, they were confident that they had their guy. So after that interview that happened at Georgetown Police Headquarters, as soon as he exited the interview room, he was taken into custody right then and there. At the time, though, the evidence only amounted to a tampering with a corpse charge because, again, all we have is some blood on the back of a tow truck, a fragment of a bone piece, and the surveillance video that showed Chorner driving his tow truck through town with what appeared to be a human body on the back of it. They didn't have a murder weapon. They didn't have a definite crime scene. And they still didn't have a confession, even after all those interviews. At what point does that eventually turn into a murder charge? It took months. Chorner stayed in custody. Uh, he was arrested in early 2020. I can't remember the exact date. But but he he was arrested and, and held on that tampering charge. But it wasn't until September. Remember, the murder happened in February. It wasn't until September that the murder charge was eventually added. But that's because investigators say they were waiting on all of the DNA analysis as well as processing all of the crime scenes. Moving forward to this spring, the spring of 2021, a trial was scheduled to start on May 20th, but that trial didn't end up happening. What happened instead? Well, Jimmy's defense team went back and forth with prosecutors there, and there was a plea deal that was on the table that eventually went away. That's when they decided that it was you know, time to go to trial. We were in court the day that they were going through all of the 
last minute discussions, of course, before that trial was supposed to start. And they set the trial date. They set jury selection. Everything was ready to go. But that afternoon, uh, it was decided that there was going to be another hearing the very next day because Jimmy had decided to go for the plea agreement. So we went back to court the next day, and that's when he pled guilty to murder. In exchange for his guilty plea, Chorner was sentenced to 60 years in prison. He also gave a confession. What all did he admit to doing? Well, Turner wrote a two-page letter to the family, and that letter was provided to them that day in court. In that letter, he wrote about several different things, but what, what he says happened is that when he went to the body shop that night after learning about the argument, he was with Harvey, and while he was there at the shop, uh, he apparently told Harvey that someone was in the back of the shop on the back of the lot breaking into cars. So he and Harvey went out there, and from what he wrote, it sounds like he kind of tricked Harvey into thinking that this person, this non-existent person, was hiding under the RV, the same RV where he sometimes stayed. And as soon as Harvey got kind of bent over to look and see where this person might be hiding, Jimmy wrote that he hit him in the head three times with an axe. He said he was dead right then. No, this over nothing. That's why I wrote the family that letter of what actually happened so they're not always in limbo. And it's just, it's, it's a, a sad situation. You know, and I apologize with all my heart. You mentioned in your reporting this tragic detail that Huber's family still has not been able to have a funeral because they don't have his body. Did Jorner say what he did with the body after killing Harvey Huber? Well, investigators said this in their affidavit, but then Turner wrote it in his letter to the family as well. So what they believe happened is that Turner took Harvey's body to that drainage ditch where they found the blood and bone fragment. And that's where they say he dismembered Harvey's body. According to Jimmy and the letter that he wrote, he then put... Harvey's clothes in a trash bag. He put different body parts in different trash bags and then spread those trash bags to various dumpsters at fast food restaurants in, in two different Williamson County cities. The worst thing that could happen is not having Harvey's body. I was, I was really hoping that, that that would be part of the plea deal. It's been hard to, uh, to just say, I know it's over because is it really? until I have something to, to show me that he's really gone, that I can, I can put him to rest. What else have you heard from the family of Harvey Huber following this plea deal and confession? What has their reaction been? So Harvey Huber's daughter has not spoken with us on camera, but in a statement to KVU, she said that they will continue honoring their dad as a good father, husband, grandfather, friend, but at the same time, they have to continue to pick up the pieces of their lives and figure out how to move forward. Um, you know, they don't want to dwell on the tragic events of the past, she said, and they don't want 
their father, husband, and friend, Harvey, uh, to continue to be defined by how he died. They're going to continue to define him, they say, by how he lived. For more on this story, our listeners can head over to kvue.com. That's kvue.com. Bryce Newberry with KVU in Austin. Thanks for sharing the story. Thank you. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to or following The Daily Crime wherever it is you're listening right now. If you're looking for something else to listen to, you can find a full list of our shows at vaultstudios.com. That includes our weekly podcast, True Crime Chronicles. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.